And uh, I would encourage you to open up your Bible again to Ruth, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Ruth, there she is. Um, that's my mother-in-law's name too, Ruth. That's grandmother's name. It's a powerful name. As we go to Ruth, we're looking at chapter 2 this week. Uh, we've been here for a couple of weeks. It's a very short book, so you might miss it. So that's why I was telling you where it is in the Bible. You turn, if, you, if you go past those, uh, the, those books, you're going to have to turn back to it. But Ruth, and it is on the Bible app this morning. If you're following along on there, it's on the Bible app. So we're looking at Ruth chapter 2. And these last couple of weeks, we've really been focusing not so much on Ruth, but on both Naomi and Ruth. Naomi being the mother-in-law of Ruth. Naomi and Ruth, they had been through, at this point, a lifetime of heartache in just a few years. They arrive now in Bethlehem, and Naomi, as they arrive in Bethlehem, she is greeted, Ruth there with her, she's greeted by a gaggle of women. Can I say that? On Mother's Day? I don't know if that's a bad term or not, but she's greeted by a group of women at the, at the edge of the town. I just picture it and say that. But she's greeted at the, at, the, at the edge of town there in Bethlehem. They've been away for about 10 years now because of the famine. And in this 10 years, Naomi's husband has died, and Naomi's two sons have died. And in this time, her two sons, they had married Orpah, she stayed behind, but Ruth, the other daughter-in-law of Naomi, she had committed her way to Naomi, but not just that, she had committed her faith to God. She said, where you go, I will go, Naomi. Where your people, she says, will be my people. And Ruth said, and your God will be my God. So now Naomi and Ruth, they enter into Bethlehem. They're greeted by this lovely group of women who greet Naomi. And then they said, wait, can this really be Naomi? Because she doesn't look like exactly like we know Naomi looks. Something is different and not in a good way. And Naomi says to them, very openly sharing her feelings, we talk about being an authentic relationships, an authentic uh, community of people that can share openly about our struggles and about our joys and about what we're going through. That's what we're striving to be as a community of faith at the Washington Free Methodist Church. And Naomi would have fit that very, very well because as she stands on the edge of Bethlehem there, greeted by this group of women, she says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant because I'm not by any means pleasant right now. She says, don't call me pleasant. Instead, I want you to call me bitter. For the Almighty, God Almighty, has made my life very bitter. She says, I went away 10 years ago. I went away very pleasant. I was Naomi then. But now I want you to call me Mara, which means bitter. Because now he has brought me back here to Bethlehem very bitter. Friends, I say all that because I wonder if 
you've ever found yourself in that same type of situation. Maybe you haven't expressed it outright. Maybe you haven't gathered with a group of people on the city's edge and said, you know what, God has made my life bitter. But I wonder if you've ever been in that same type of frustrated state where you've faced great heartache, you've experienced confusion, you've dealt with the bitterness of life. Dare I say that it's not sinful to express that even to God and say, God, I feel as though you have brought bitterness on my life. I feel, God, like I've been through heartache. I've been through frustration. I've experienced confusion. And Lord Jesus, it has made me bitter. See, I don't believe that it's sinful to express those things to each other. Actually, I think it's very healthy in a biblical community of people to express those things and say, I'm very bitter. See, because it's, it's not sinful to express those things, but where are you turning your bitterness? How do you express it? And what you cling to in these tough times, it matters eternally. Amen? Be encouraged. And know, friends, that God, no matter what, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you think is on the road just ahead of you, be encouraged to know that God still has a plan for your life. God still has a plan for your life. In His sovereignty, God's plans are always ahead, never behind us. Again, it doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter how much sin you have in your past. God's plan is ever before you, and He still has a plan for you. God's plans are always ahead, never behind. Paul writes about this in Philippians 3. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead, I press on, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm certain that Paul in his life saw, previously saw, in his life he had looked back after he had come to faith in Jesus Christ, I'm certain he'd look back at all of the heartache that he had brought on the, the Jewish people, all the heartache and trouble and strife and stress that he had brought on God's people, and he said, wow, I cannot believe that God would still use me. That's why Paul wrote all the time about his, the excuse me, grace of God. The grace of God. And he writes here in Philippians 3, <clears throat> I forget what is behind, and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal, toward the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Paul wasn't—excuse me—Paul wasn't saying. Paul wasn't saying that the past didn't matter. Paul wasn't saying that the past 
didn't matter. He wasn't meaning or expressing that he no longer remembered what he had done in the past, what he had been through, what he had experienced. Instead, he was declaring that he was not going to let the past dictate his future. And we need to be of that same declaration, that same commitment. I'm not going to let my past dictate my future. So we talked two weeks ago. Our truth statement, God is always faithful. And God is always working toward our good. Do you believe that? God is always faithful. I hope so, because many of you just sung that song, the faith of, of God. God is so very faithful to us. God is always faithful. God is always working toward our good. And then last week, this truth statement. God loves you. God is with you. And God can be trusted. Do you believe that to be true? Do you live your life as though you, you believe that to be true? Well, that's pastor a different question entirely because it's, it's easy to believe those things, to write them down, to see them in print, say, yes, I believe those. Yes, I can declare those things. But then when the rubber meets the road, so to speak, when life happens, it's sometimes tough. Amen. But that's why we stick together as a faith community. That's why we're here to encourage each other. That's why we've got people behind the scenes that are lifting us up in prayer. That's why when I cannot and I don't have the strength to do it, I'm so very thankful for a community of people that surround me and lift me up and do the heavy lifting when I'm too weak to do so. This morning we look to chapter 2. You say, well, finally we're going to get to chapter 2. Maybe we'll get to chapter 2. We'll see. We'll see. It's a long way around. Now let's get to chapter 2. Ruth's a widow. Her husband had passed. That's what widow meant. She was a foreigner. Coming now into Bethlehem. She was a recent believer, a recent convert. Placing her faith in God on the road to Bethlehem. From Moab to Bethlehem. Moab is... You, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, Moab was a very evil culture, a very evil nation with evil people who had subscribed to evil beliefs in a false god. Ruth, a widow, a foreigner, a recent believer, everything, everything as we head into chapter 2, everything, the land, the people, the customs, everything was new and unfamiliar to Ruth. But through it all, what we're going to find is Ruth whole, held tightly to the confidence that she had in God. Because she did. She got to experience God's providence at work in her life. As her life intersected with his sovereignty. So here it is. We're finally getting here. Ruth chapter 2. Did you have time to turn there in your Bible? I hope so. It's like 20 minutes. Here we go. Now Naomi, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Amiliac. Amiliac, remember, is Naomi's husband had passed away about 10 years before. So she has a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Amiliac, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain. Everybody say leftover grain. 
That's going to be important here in a minute. The leftover grain, that's all she's looking for. Let me go to the fields, pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, she began to glean, pick up the, 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 the harvest, began to glean in the field behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was the, from the clan of Amiliac. That's very important, friends. We'll come back to that. So Ruth takes the initiative, and she says to her mother-in-law, she takes the initiative to go out and glean in the field. She needs some food. And she recognizes that her mother-in-law, Naomi, she needs some food. And so in order to put food on the table, she goes out to glean in the field. She says, let me find some leftover grain. If I can find some leftover grain, and in a way she says, pray for me, Naomi. Pray for me, mother-in-law. Pray that I will find favor in the field of one of the harvesters as I pick up some grain. She's saying, pray in some way. Pray that I can find a lot of leftover grain in the field that I end up gleaning in. See, because according to the Levitical law, the Old Testament law, harvesters were commanded not to glean in the entire field, not to pick up all of the grain, not to go down and get all the little scraps, but to leave some of the corners for the poor and the widows and the orphans that lived in the surrounding area. Ruth steps out then to do this difficult and humbling labor of gleaning the scraps. She goes out that morning, perhaps she had a basket, perhaps she just lifted up the front of her apron and she starts to pick up the scraps, the leftovers in the field. But then, verse 4 says, Boaz arrives from Bethlehem, and he greets his harvesters. Enters Boab the Redeemer. Boaz the Redeemer. Boaz symbolizes throughout the book of Ruth, he symbolizes Jesus, our great and almighty Redeemer. Boaz, to us, in the book of Ruth, is a picture of Jesus taking the sinner into his loving arms. We read that Boaz is related by marriage to Naomi. We read that Boaz is an, a man of, of older man, of standing and wealth in the community. His name, Boaz, literally means strength. Do you know anybody named Boaz? No? Yeah, me either. I just thought it'd be cool to know somebody named Boaz. I was going to have you introduce me, but no. So Boaz, he pictures Ruth in his field. And he asks about her. And then he goes, who's that woman over there, right? She must have been beautiful. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she was odd. I don't know. But he asks his harvesters after he beats them. He asks his workers, he says, who's that woman over there? And then he goes out to her. He tells her to stay in his field. Not to go to anybody else's field. 
He says he's going to personally take care of her. And it's such a kind offer. It says that Ruth drops to the ground and he, she asks him why he has shown such favor to her, a foreigner, why he has given her such kindness. Remember, Boaz did not, or Ruth did not realize that she was related by marriage now to Boaz. So she goes home. Verse 11. Let's jump down here. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Boaz replies, why did you show so kindness to me? A foreigner, Boaz replies, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've been told how you left your father and mother, your homeland. You came to live with a people that you did not know before. Read this, verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Not only does Boaz recognize Ruth's inner beauty, her character. I've seen these things about you. I've heard all about how, how, how you left your people group. How you left your land, how you left your culture just to take care of your mother-in-law. I see you out here gleaning the fields, picking up the scraps, the leftovers, just so you can put food on the table for your mother-in-law. Not only does Boaz recognize Ruth's inner beauty and her character, he also says a blessing over her. Verse 12. See, friends, God desires... God desires to take all of us, the foreigner, the poor, the bitter, the broken, the lonely, all of us. He desires to take us under his care. He desires to protect and to shelter each and every one of us. Amen? He desires to provide for you. And just as Boaz says, I'm going to provide, I'm going to see that you're taking care of her. God's desire is to provide for you. To bring you joy, to bring you satisfaction. Boaz, his desire for Ruth, it truly is a picture of God's desire for us. As he invites us to come to rest in the shelter under his care. Know this, friends. God wants to protect and to provide for you. As you discover and grow in his presence as your life intersects with his sovereignty. Let me say that again. God wants to protect and provide for you as you discover and grow in his presence and as you allow your life to intersect with his sovereignty. Our truth statements again for the last couple of weeks and then today, God is always faithful. God is always working for our good. God loves you, God is with you, and God can be trusted. And then today, God has a distinct and unique plan for your life and your future. God has a distinct and unique plan for your life and for your future. Friends, just consider what, what, what Ruth did. Consider what Ruth did. She first went to the field. Second, she humbled herself. And then third, she started to glean the harvest. Started to glean the scraps 
the leftovers. Go to the field, humble yourself, and glean the harvest. See, I cannot help but think that our call from God is just the same. Go to the field, humble yourself, glean the harvest. Go to the field, enter into the presence of God. That's the first step. That's the first step. Go into the presence of God. I said Boaz is a picture of our Redeemer, Jesus. Ruth first had to go to the field that Boaz was overseeing his field. We first have got to go to the field. We've got to go to where God is. We've got to stand in his presence. We've got to humble ourselves second and submit to God as sovereign. I am not as important as you are, God. This story is not all about me, contrary to what I sometimes act like. I'm not the center of this story, and I've got to humble myself as I remember the sovereignty of God, that God has absolute knowledge. God has absolute authority. God has absolute power. I've got to humble myself, go to the field, humble yourself. And then third, glean the harvest. Receive the gifts that God has for you. Receive the gifts that God has for you. Because he wants to give them to us. Amen? He wants to give them to us. He wants to bless us. He wants to do more than what Boaz promises to Ruth here. God wants to give us gifts. I'm going to pause at this moment because... As you know, this is our 1970s concert series, yes? And so I can't come here today without a song to give you, to remind you of this truth as we're walking through the story and the account of Ruth. Now Boaz telling Ruth, you can count on me. Come to my field. I'm going to take care of you. So let's play that song, and then we'll come back.
verse 14. So at mealtime, Boaz said to Ruth, come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvester, she offered, he offered some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean more of the leftovers, more of the scraps, Boaz gave orders to his men, even if she gathers among the sheets, don't embarrass her. Don't tell her to stop. Rather, pull out some of the stalks, some of the good stuff from the bundles. Leave them behind for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Verse 17, so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. That is about a month's worth of food, what she needed. She carried it back to the, into town. When her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered, Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who has taken notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today, his name was Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and to the dead, she added. This man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Ruth returns home with more food than she could have ever imagined. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, we're going to dive into that topic a little later in this series. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer of the family, had provided for her. Friends, here's the reality. Listen to this, listen to this. Today, right now, Right now, many of you, you might be searching for the leftovers, for the scraps of healing and hope. Let me tell you this. God wants to provide you with more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. We're out here picking up the little scraps, the little leftovers, what everybody else's hope and, and, and that they've dropped along the way, but God says, no, 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 I want to pull out the good stuff and I want to give it to you because I have a distinct and I have a unique plan for you and I don't want you to, 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 to be surviving on the scraps of healing and hope. I want to give you and I want to provide for you more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Do me a favor. Let's just do an exercise to close today. Just close your eyes if you would. Just close your eyes if you will. Just close your eyes. I want you to picture. Just picture with me a large field. Maybe there's a few people working off in the distance, but just picture that, that, that large field. It's been harvested. It's almost, it's almost empty. There's some stalks laying on the ground. There's some stuff lead, lay, laying around, things that are left over. Picture yourself just walking into that field. You're hungry. You're in need. You're searching. 
And you begin to look at the ground ever before you and you start picking up, you start to pick it up. Let me ask you this question. What are you searching for right now? What is your greatest need in your life right now? You're standing in that field. What is your greatest need right now? Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's financial. Maybe you need a, a physical healing touch right now. Maybe you need some emotional encouragement. What is your greatest need right now? And as you still picture yourself in that field, I want you just to, to, to picture yourself looking up, and there stands before you your kinsman redeemer, your great redeemer, God Almighty, Jesus Christ in the flesh, standing before you, and he has in his hands everything that you need right now. The greatest gift, and he just wants to offer it to you, he just wants to provide for you. What is your greatest need right now and are you depending are you depending on your almighty the god almighty the sovereign lord who has a distinct and unique plan for your life are you depending wholeheartedly on him to provide that for you have you asked him have you asked him and are you trusting him friends our truth today god wants to protect and to provide for you as you discover and as you grow in his presence, as your life intersects with his sovereignty, God is always faithful, and God is always working for our good. God loves you, God is with you, and God can be trusted. God has a distinct and a unique plan for your life and your future. Friends, as we close this morning, I simply want to invite you this next week. We've got those truth statements listed in your newsletter this morning. I simply want to invite you this next week to approach the field of God. That is to sit humbly before him, quietly in his presence, and declare these statements. Declare these statements for your own good. Declare these statements before the almighty God. Declare these statements as you sit in God's field of provision. And as you har humbly harvest, as you humbly glean what God has for you. Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing over our church family, over their family members, over their friends. Lord Jesus, I pray your rich and full blessings. Father, I pray today that we would learn again and again this next week that we would learn to trust in you as our redeemer and as our protector and as our provider. Lord Jesus, would you teach us, teach us, Lord Jesus, to depend on you for everything that we need. Everything that we need. Lord Jesus, would you strengthen our faith and our faithfulness in you as we continue to humbly come before your, your field of provision. 
as we trust in you, our Redeemer. Lord Jesus, we thank you. And we praise you in your name. Amen. As we close with this last song, if you have a specific need in your life this morning, if you've got something right now that, that, that's heavy on your mind, heavy on your heart, something that you need to approach the throne of God, and you need to, you need to just ask Him for, our altars are open for you. And if you, if you need prayer this morning, I'm more than happy to be honored to pray along with you in that need.